And we pray, Lord Jesus, today that you would continue to speak to our hearts. We've come from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of differences. Father, we've carried many things in with us and our past looks different, our future looks different. But we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to focus on the right now, that you, Jesus, are present in this place. And God, that we can focus on you and that your presence and your power transform our lives. We just pray now as you take the living word of God, that you would inform our minds and transform our hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Should your mission should you choose to accept it. Mission Impossible, God's plan to save the planet. That's the story of Jesus. Have you ever been so thirsty that you would almost do anything to have a drink? One summer, I worked at Glacier National Park in Montana, and it was this summer that I discovered the joys of hiking. The only way to see most of the sights and incredible beauty of Glacier Park was to pack a lunch, tow a trail cup, Put on your hiking boots and walk. How many, how many hikers do we have here? Any hikers, okay? Just wanted to see how many people liked, actually like to walk. That's okay, that's good. I experienced a lot of things that summer at Glacier Park. Scary grizzly bear sightings by other people. 20 mile hikes, a mountain climb, mountain goats, which I'd never seen before because I was in, living in Grand Forks, North Dakota. They didn't have mountain goats in North Dakota. Icy glacial lakes, scenery that I had not imagined before. There were mountain streams and waterfalls falls, so clear and clean that we actually drank out of them. And one interesting experience that I will never forget, thirst. I mean, real thirst. Back then, the water high up coming off the glaciers and snowmelt was pure and clean, it was safe to drink. We never packed a canteen or bottled water, only a trail cup, which was an aluminum cup, with a hook that attached to our belt. When you got thirsty, you would just stop at a waterfall or a creek along the hike, dip in the cup, and drink the best tasting ice cold water you have ever tasted. Every hiking trail that I took had multiple waterfalls and creek crossings, so we always had an abundance of drinking water. Then I took this one particular hike. It was the longest one all summer. It was a 27 mile hike. It started up a steep incline for five miles, straight up, and once on the top, there was a 17-mile horseshoe trail along this very high mountain ridge with absolutely stunning views, followed by a five-mile descent back down to the trailhead. What someone failed to tell us was that there was little water source on this hike. 
It was a hot, sunny day, and 10 miles into the hike, we all began to get very, very thirsty. I started thinking about those old classic movies I'd seen of people who are lost in the desert, there's no water, they're wandering, they're hallucinating, and they're seeing mirages, passing skeletal remains of past hikers who had also died of thirst. Who sent this fly? Get this fly out of here. Thirst. Thirst, real thirst. And all 10 of us on this hike thought we were going to die. Then we arrived at a place. There was a high rock wall to our right and a, and a cliff face to our left. And down this rock wall, there was a real small trickle of water coming from an unseen source high above. And the water was absolutely pure and ice cold. And there was one place, only one place, where you could put your trail cup against the rock wall where the water would fill that cup very, very slowly. And I remember how long it took us staying there, 10 of us waiting to fill our cup multiple times to make sure that we did not die of thirst. Long time, but our our thirst was finally quenched and we lived to tell about it. Now today we're gonna talk about thirst. Please don't everybody make a run for the water fountain. Hopefully you're not thirsty this morning, at least you weren't. We're gonna talk about thirst, we're gonna talk about water. Um, Jesus performed a lot of miracles in his life on earth. One of the more dramatic miracles was the quenching of thirst. It's one of the mission impossible things that he did and still does. And here's something nobody else could do. I want us to read about it, where Jesus shows up at a well, meets a woman, and they talk about thirst and water. Let's turn to, to uh, John, the fourth chapter, the Gospel of John 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 4. John 4, starting with verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you give this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go back and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you are now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. On to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man it really is the savior of the world. An interesting story with two main characters, Jesus and a Samaritan woman. What can we learn? We're gonna look at five actions, five actions that Jesus took. What can we learn? The first action is Jesus accepted the woman exactly as she was. Jesus accepted the woman exactly as she was. Now in today's world we have the political correctness police whose job is to ensure that we treat everybody with equal respect regardless of background or or standing. And the basic principle behind political correctness is that all all people are equal, all points of view are equally valid, and we should not discriminate on the basis of race, religion, gender, age, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, we have observed today that political correctness has been taken to the extreme. We know that. And and that's another topic at another time that we'll we'll deal with some other time. In the New Testament in Israel, there was no such thing as political correctness. A man would almost never speak with a woman. A rabbi, which Jesus was, would most certainly never speak to an immoral woman. And a Jew would never associate in any way with a Samaritan, which this woman was. Samaritans were a byproduct of interracial marriages, only half or part Jew, therefore the Jews would have nothing to do with them. And this had much to do with their religion as they justified their racial prejudice. Not Jesus, not Jesus. Jesus came to establish a whole new order of things. He's accepted people exactly where they were unconditionally, unconditionally. He looked past the externals and saw the heart, the real person. Yeah, you know, he could see the faults, he could see the fears, the shortcomings, but he also saw the value, the value. He saw broken people and what broke them and what they could become once they were fixed. Jesus is the same today, he's the same today. Jesus accepts us, he accepts you and me, exactly as we are. It's not a matter of getting cleaned up and putting all the pieces together first, and then Jesus can accept us. We come to Jesus with all the broken pieces of our life and say, this is all I got, can you fix it? This woman had been through five marriages, five divorces. Anyone here who has experienced the pain of divorce can understand the pain, the rejection, and the brokenness that she experienced. 
See, Jesus didn't come to the strong and the, and the self-satisfied. He came to the broken, the hungry, the empty, and the thirsty. He accepted them exactly as they were. Jesus didn't condemn her. He didn't point the finger. He didn't demean her. He didn't say, you are really messed up. She knew she was messed up. Most people today are, are pretty aware of their shortcomings. We don't let people know when we come to church, especially we put on our best face and act like everything's together. We don't like people to see the shortcoming and the things that we've done or the background, what we're dealing with. But you know, Jesus knows, Jesus sees, and he still accepts us exactly as we are. Most of the people in this day, in this story, would go to the well at later in the day when it was cool, she came at 3 p.m. because she didn't want to run into anybody that was going to point fingers at her and judge her and remind her of her place. So Jesus accepts this woman exactly as she is. Secondly, Jesus shared a common concern. Jesus shared a common concern. The common concern happened to be thirst, the, the physical need for water. Almost sounds too simple. But Jesus was God and Jesus was also man. And because he was a human being, he experienced thirst. In fact, Jesus experienced many of the same needs that we experience as people. Verse six says that Jesus was tired and Jesus was thirsty. Now, I don't know about you, but I like having a God who walked in my shoes. I like having a God who's, who's been there. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to experience pain, both physical and emotional. He knows what it's like to be discouraged. He knows what it's like to be accused unjustly. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. He knows what it's like to go on trial. He knows what it's like to be found guilty, though innocent. He knows what it's like to be totally alone, and he knows what it's like to be deserted by God. He knows what it's like to die. We don't have a God who can't relate. We have a God who understands where we are. A God who can identify. A God who shares our common concerns. I don't know about you, I need a God like that, and that's Jesus. That's who Jesus is. But Jesus has more to offer this woman than just an identification with her needs. He moves beyond the physical need to a much deeper need, and that's thirst of the soul. The third action of Jesus is Jesus offered the woman living water, living water. Now what does that mean? The most obvious need was physical thirst, and this could be quenched with water, but it was temporary because we just get thirsty again. Even if we drink Gatorade or vitamin water or Rockstar or whatever it might be, we always get thirsty again. Jesus is addressing a far more profound, a far deeper need, a thirst that cannot be quenched by anything physical. That's a thirst for God, a thirst for God. Have you ever tried to quench your thirst with a liquid that didn't work? I remember as a kid playing Little League Baseball in the southern Minnesota in the hot, the heat, the humidity, and coming back, and we've been out all those hours and come home and just drink water and drink and water and drink water, and it's just nothing worked. It was just, it was like I was still thirsty. No matter how much you drink, you still feel thirsty. Do you ever do that? People do that all the time. They, they want to feel good, so they buy new clothes. They want security, so they put more money in the bank. 
They want love, so they try to find it in sexual experience. They want status, so they buy a new car. They want acceptance, so they change their appearance or they lose weight. And somehow that thirst is never quenched. It returns again and again and again. The philosopher Pascal said, there's a God-shaped vacuum inside every person that can be filled only with God himself. There's a God-created thirst that can only be quenched with God himself. Verse 13 says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. In fact, your thirst will be so quenched that it will overflow like a spring of water to quench the thirst of everybody around you. Amazing, we cannot quench a spiritual thirst, a spiritual longing with physical water or physical things. But our spiritual thirst, the deepest longings must be quenched with spiritual things, a spiritual being that is God through Jesus Christ. And that will flow so full out of each one of us that other people will be recipients of that thirst quenching power. Verse 24, it says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus said, that would be me. Kind of. He said, he who speaks to you is he. The fourth action of Jesus, Jesus quenched her thirst when she believed. Jesus quenched her thirst when she believed. The woman believed he was the Messiah. In verses 39 to 42, it says, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It was belief that brought the living water. This belief that quenched her thirst, it was belief in Jesus that filled her deepest longings. And she was so full, she couldn't keep it in. She had to tell the whole town. When's the last time you were so excited about something you had to tell the whole town? Anybody? Any, anybody? So excited, you look really excited this morning? Yeah? Come on, wake up. Actually, some of you look asleep. We'll be better off when we get past daylight savings time. Is that in a couple weeks? Anyway. So excited you can't keep it in. The transformation was so dramatic that she had to tell people about it. A major transformation. This had to be an incredible change for the townspeople who knew this woman for them to believe as well. Belief in Jesus. Now again, belief is not just an intellectual acknowledgement of a set of propositions or facts. Belief is inseparable from actions. Actions of trust, placing confidence in, submitting to the lordship, control of Jesus himself. Belief is a decision to submit mind, will, and emotions to the leadership of Jesus. It means admitting our own shortcomings, our sins, our own inability to quench our own thirst. Belief in Jesus means accepting his unconditional love and accepting his forgiveness. He told this woman, or the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. Wow, he knows everything we all did. Still he loves us, wants to forgive us, he wants to quench our thirst. He loves us unconditionally. Where are you this morning? What are you feeling this morning? Empty, thirsty, maybe a vague sense of longing or emptiness. You know, we can, we can even be Christians for a long period of time and we spend a lot of energy and, and effort in trying to quench that thirst, that spiritual thirst for God. 
whether it's with money or activity or another human being, a goal, an ambition, a job, a project, a possession. Trying to fill that emptiness and still thirsty. The fifth action of Jesus. Jesus transformed the woman's life. True belief in Jesus will absolutely transform our lives and the lives of the people in this city, this Chippewa Valley, Eau Claire. Two weeks ago, we talked about one man, Nicodemus, who was so hungry and thirsty, he came to Jesus at night and Jesus told him how he could be born again, born anew, transformed. That is one picture of what this belief and this transformation is like. This is another picture of thirst being quenched so much that it overflows to people around. Whether it's, whether it's being born again in that picture being of rebirth, or this picture in John 4 that talks about this thirst being quenched. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And new means new. And these people of the town believed it for themselves. Verse 42 says, we no longer believe just because of what you said, now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Every person in this story that was transformed had a personal encounter. They themselves had a personal encounter with Jesus. And that caused them to believe and be transformed. Don't just take someone else's word for it. Don't don't count on your parents' faith. You need faith. Don't count on the faith of your spouse. You need faith. Don't rely on the faith of friends or family. How about you? It's your personal relationship. It's your personal encounter with Jesus Christ that matters. Personalize it. Then you, too, can experience this life transformation. Are you thirsty today? Do you you have, have a longing? Do you have that longing inside that has never been filled? Jesus came to bring that living water. Drink the living water. Believe in Jesus. Receive him as your personal Savior and Lord, and you will never thirst again. And those of you that are already born again, your mission, should you decide to accept it, is accept people exactly as they are, Find that common denominator, that common concern. Offer them living water. Jesus will quench their thirst and transform their life as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us living water in Jesus. And I pray today that as we continue to worship you and celebrate what you did on the cross so that we could experience that life transformation. I pray, Lord Jesus, that it will become new to us, that it would become fresh, and this new life in Jesus would overflow to those around us in such a way that other people also are transformed and changed because of what you've done in us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. We're going to move to a time of communion this morning. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion. Just know Jesus as your Savior. We'd like to invite you to, to do that. The, the, um, the servers are coming forward right now, and they're going to distribute the elements. So we just ask that you hang on to those until all have received, and then we'll partake together in a minute.
And as we do that, we're going to sing um, a great song of faith. There's a fountain filled with blood. It says in Luke 22, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I, uh, before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's take the cup together. We're going to continue in worship, and I want to invite you to do something. I don't know if you're comfortable with this or not, but we believe in answered prayer. And we're going to invite you to come for. If you have a prayer need of any kind, or you know somebody that you want to pray for, we're going to open the front. You can come and stand or kneel, kneel the kneelers, or uh, if you want to be seated during this time, that's fine too. But let's just take some time uh, to pray. One thing that of the many things that Jesus accomplished by His death, His blood was shed that we could experience spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing, and that was giving us the access to enter the throne of grace and actually go directly to God in prayer. And so we believe that it's directly related to prayer. So as we sing this next song, and we'll just continue in an attitude of worship, if you want to be prayed for or pray for somebody else, just feel free to come forward as we take this time here. Father, we thank you that you answer prayer. And I just pray that you build faith. Lord, if there are those that didn't feel comfortable coming forward, but they have needs, we pray that you'll meet them where they are. We rejoice in you and we love you and know that you love us. And we thank you for your healing and your answer prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close out today on a song you may or know, may know, you may not know, but it's a, it's a great song. It talks about the fact that we're the friend of God. He's our friend. So uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and kick in on I am a friend of God. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God's your friend. You're his friend. Keep singing it.